Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Absolute Rally, episode five, season 19. Um, have you warmed up yet? Have you managed to pull the winter thermals on? Were they really required? I think we had a little bit more snow than what we were expecting, certainly in Sweden. But anyway, we have another full house this week. We don't just have uh, Ryan Champion. Hello. Hello, Tony uh, Simpson. We have Trevor Agnew as well. Hello. Hello, both. Um, we also Hello, have Trevor. we we also have former Autosport, former MN, and now I can only assume selling the big issue, Jake Bennion. <laughs> Hello, freelancer extraordinaire, <laughs> Jack Bennion at your service. <laughs> can you come and clean my car? Uh, yeah, if you pay me enough money. Yeah, I'm sure you you I'll, I'll do anything for a couple of quid. I've heard that, Jack. To be fair, right. give us a full sales pitch, then. <laughs> I think my ears on Absolute Rally have spoke for themselves. Uh, yeah bit quiet at the moment isn't it mate (laughs) (laughs) right let's get straight to it we were all completely and utterly hopeless with our predictions Um, none of us predicted the winner Uh, again which I think is kind of a little bit of a theme I'm going to come to you first Jack Bengen because you spoke last Um, it was more than a pleasant surprise um, for all of us, I think, that, that Elvin won. But why were we not predicting this after his performance on Monte Carlo? It's difficult, isn't it? I think the the, the interesting thing with Elvin is, obviously, I had those years with, with Sebastian at M-Sport, and I think it's fair to say Sebastian Ojo was the the dominant uh, the dominant person there based on the results. So, uh, I guess it's always uh, you always want to jump on the bandwagon when it's uh, you know when it's someone likable who, who has a good result like Elvin did in Monty, but at the same time you have to pepper that with the information that you've got at hand and, and that you know already. And you know Elvin has delivered some phenomenal performances over the years. Obviously the 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 win on on Rally GB, but also Corsica and um, a couple of good Mexico performances as well, where he's been beaten narrowly, especially by Thierry Neuville. So. You know, we've seen some some very strong performances from him, but we've never seen a, a full year of uh, you know properly fighting for a for a championship. So, I think uh, I think the reason why it wasn't predicted is because you know you can only go off the information that you've got at hand. But what he has done with with the Sweden win is is properly announced himself onto the scene, and um, you know he's had the backing of uh, Tommy Mackinnon over the weekend, who came out and said that you know he had Toyota's full backing if he was going to fight for the championship if he was capable of it. And um, you know I think we're seeing uh, you know an Elvin Evans who isn't interested in sitting in uh, Sebastian Sebastian Ogier's shadow. He, you know, he wants to to drive that car to the maximum. I think that's what we saw over the weekend. And you know, we've also seen from from experience how good Elvin is in in changing in difficult conditions. And that's definitely what we had over the weekend as well. I think so. Right. Um, I I I completely and utterly agree with Jack Bengian. I'm sure you do as well. But if you don't, please put us straight. Is this <laughs> is is this is this Elvin now announcing a four way fight, or are we getting a bit ahead of ourselves? Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll pretty soon see, won't we? I mean, obviously, Elvin was quite keen to play it down after his result of the weekend, but he was just dominant, wasn't it? I mean, not only did he win, he led from start to finish, and he, he just never looked like being beaten. So, uh, you know, add, add that to his Monte Carlo pace. Yes, you, you've got to say that he, he probably realistically can challenge everywhere. Um, he's obviously at home in the car, obviously at home with the team. Uh, the the team are going to go forwards very very quickly with with three drivers on that pace, so um, yeah, I think there's there's no reason why I can't fight at, at every rally, and uh, you know, and, and I think we're all pleasantly surprised to see him competing at that level so quickly with this car. You know, we like as Jack said, we've seen 
flashes of brilliance from him before. Um, we know he hasn't always been consistent before because we've had criticism for liking him, haven't we? I believe. Yeah, I think we have had a little bit of criticism. Um, yeah. I haven't had any messages since since the weekend, it has no? to be said. But no. Right, okay. Non, yeah. Non-congratulating him from the same... No, not at all. Because uh, I'll be honest, I was I was I was I was flippantly going to put something out about tyres, um, but I decided not to. <laughs> I decided not to because I'm a grown up. <laughs> you got nothing. You got nothing. You got nothing to say about the running order. No, uh, or the amount of stages either. Um, but I will say that out of the nine stages, he won five of them. Trev, um, is that is that is that dominating enough for you? He dominated the way he dominated the 2017 Rally GB, I think, and never put a wheel wrong there, controlled the pace and went at a pace he's comfortable with. Clearly, um, we have to be respectful here to M Sport and the Fiesta because that was clearly a good car, won the championship. Uh, the driver in that car won the championship two years in a row. When we saw flashes of this last year with Elf and his pace, should run Corsica, of course. I think a couple of key differences. One is the two-year contract in his pocket. That's lovely to have. That helps you relax, no doubt. Second thing is the amount of time that he would have had in that Toyota, probably more than two years in the Fiesta, even before the start of the season with the unlimited testing Toyota can do close to their base. It is within the regulations of 50 kilometers or whatever. So, and we've seen in the past how quickly it is to get up to speed with that car. I just remember as well, 2017 Rally Sweden, nobody ever predicted that it would not rally the second time out and the course of performance in Monte Carlo. So um, there's a lot of things when you start to think about it and put a little bit more beef in the bone, you'll think, uh, yeah, of course I can see now what I didn't see this time last week. On him. Uh, I think there's a little bit as well, you don't want, really want to put pressure on him, not that he listens to us, but uh, you're mindful of that and you just want him to find his feet for a few rallies. Of course, it all changes going to Mexico. Uh, he's first on the road. That's a new challenge from the start of the rally. So those first three stages are going to be pivotal. How he reacts to running first on the road and how he manages that, his attitude towards it, and certainly uh, how much he loses if he does. I assume he will do uh, before they repeat the stages on the first day. And uh, so he's that ahead of me. Certainly showing promise as has Cali Roven Perra, like the pace of those guys, as Jack mentioned. Um, you've got to, you've got to ask the question for Sebastian Ogier. It was his good decision to suggest that Elvin Evans would be a teammate. Uh, the other thing I was thinking of as well, just going back to who you were talking about, you know, our friend in the Southern Hemisphere. I just wonder if you've got someone like Mads Osberg, if you've got someone like uh, Hayden Padden, Andreas Mickelson, that total, that amount of time, seat time, even Craig Breen, uh, would they have done it any differently? Elvin's clearly grasped the opportunity. Um, we're all hoping, of course, uh, being from this part of the world, that he goes on and, and keeps that pace going. But uh, it's a bit early to say he's up there in the top three. One, 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 one point that I need to raise on everything you've just said, Trev, which is all as ever brilliant. I've never heard the expression beefing your bun. Uh, go on. No, no I, I, I think it's beautiful. Uh, Bright, have you ever had beefing your bun? Was it not beef on the bun? I thought it was beef in the bun. Was it beef <laughs> in the bun? You confused me. I don't know where it's come up. <laughs> Anyway, great podcast. Move on. Yeah, we will. We'll, 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 we'll carry on. We'll carry on. There you go. Um, I was going to come to you. You, you led us to S- Sebastian Ogier. Um Jack, I, I know this sounds really odd from the point of view of um, how many world titles he's won and stuff like that. But there's clearly a lot being said with regard to this being his last year. Do you think 
he would be putting more pressure on himself if this is his last year. And could that be where perhaps his young upstart teammates are, are having a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge on him at the moment because they're not feeling you know that same level of pressure bizarrely enough. Well, luckily for all of the spectators and anyone involved in the WRC, I wasn't sat on the start line at any of the stages in Rally Sweden, but the, the conditions were, were so changeable. And we saw Sebastian and Thierry Neuville, who, don't forget, um, you know, gave us one of the best Monte Carlo performances we've seen in, in a little while with uh, with his comeback sort of win, you know, first time out. Uh, and both of those drivers were completely sort of uh, inconsequential in the result of that rally. And, I'm sure it's not all down to the running order, but I think the running order did have a bit to play with it. And I think that, you know, Thierry and, and Sebastian, um, you know, well, especially Sebastian did what he, he, he knows he can do and what he's done in every other championship that he's ever been in. And that's, you know, drive to the pace of the car. And, uh, you know, I think maybe lesser drivers would have pushed a bit harder than Sebastian Ojo, but would have ended up going off, not having a, a good line to follow and, and making a mistake. So, um, you know, I'm definitely not hitting the panic button when it comes to Sebastian Ojo at the minute. I think, I think he's definitely not started the season uh, in in the best form or, or the best form of his career so far. But at the same time, I think Sweden just proves why he's been such a you know a consistent and strong threat for championships in the past because he's not willing to to, to go past what he feels is the, the the maximum of the car and um, you know that's what's led to him winning championships. So yeah, I take I take the point that. You know, Sebastian and Thierry were both a little bit off in, in Sweden. But if you look at their results in the past there, both of them have always been a threat for, for victory in Sweden pretty much their whole career as soon as they've been in a WRC car. So the fact that both of them were pretty much, uh, you know, you didn't really hear of them and, and they weren't really pumping in any sort of Hollywood stage times, you know, tells me that there was there was something going on with the road condition there for those guys and it, it was tricky for them. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I think uh, Mexico will give us a much better shout. You know, Sebastian OJ starting further back on the road than he has in a little while. So uh, I think it, that'll be the one to watch. Jack, just one thing. There's a few comments uh, tied to Sebastian about tyres over the weekend where he was saying that the young kids, and I assume Melvin and, and uh, Cali Rovenpower in particular, that um, they were loading the tyres more. In other words, his natural driving style is to preserve his tyres. Maybe this is one for Ryan. And uh, and he found it difficult to, to lean on the tyres in, in an unnatural way for his driving style. It'd be the first time that that's been a disadvantage too, wouldn't it? I think probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, Ryan, what do you think of that? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you're right, Trevor, and, and uh, Sebastian Ogier said it himself that he's not used to having new tyres for every stage, and one of his talents, one of his advantages, he probably sees over his competition is he's he, very good at making a tyre last uh, for a loop and however long it needs to but consequently as he said at the weekend you know he he wasn't able to take the maximum out of the tyre over a short distance but um just uh you know picking up on what jack was saying a minute ago i think it's I think it's interesting. I, I do think there's maybe some little uh, change in mindset from Auger this year because whilst he's always been great at getting the maximum from the package he had, normally, oh, oh it's one of two things, normally that was still enough to, to see him competing right at the front and, and it's either everybody else has upped their game or he's maybe been a little bit more cautious than what we've seen in the past because, you know, we talked about the, uh, the, the, the Ford situation a couple of years ago when he was at M Sport and he seemed to be able to extract more from that car than anybody else. 
he had quick teammates. He he, he had uh, Eldon Evans in there. He had Oik Tanak in there. But he was the one who not only was pushing for championships, he won championships. And he was just able to extract something on a consistent basis that the others weren't. And uh, this year already, it, it just seems like he's maybe not willing to take the risks of his teammates in that car. So that will be interesting to see if that is a, a pattern for the rest of the season or just a, an anomaly at this point where he's relatively new to the car. I agree. It's really interesting. It's going to be see, especially when we get to the second pass of stages, first day in Mexico. I think this time last year, I seem to remember us all kind of agreeing that Monty and Sweden were kind of almost oddment events because of the sheer nature um, of of how specialist they are. Obviously, uh, in he- essence, a gravel event is a gravel event and tarmac is tarmac. OK, yet there is variance. But I think this time last year, I think we all agreed that the kind of the championship really starts in Mexico because the lottery is, is kind of gone. OK, we can have running order, but it, the, the specialist two events have kind of gone now. Would you? Are we all still agreeing with that? Yeah, to, yes, uh, to a degree. Um, and in Mexico, you've got altitude and all that kind of thing that comes into it as well, haven't you? But um, I don't know. I think we've seen, we get to analyse the sport a lot more closely now than we probably ever have with with the the coverage in detail like it is and uh, yeah yes I think you're right to a degree but there does seem to be patterns forming already Hmm. okay Um, uh, all this talk obviously we've done about Elvin and and Sebastian Um, it's odd we've not even mentioned Callie yet when you think about what he achieved Um, I think certainly from a point of view of where we're at at the moment with regards to his career um, that's as good as a win surely Jack uh, I think I think for me the impressive thing has been you know his, uh, his approach to, to start the season because you know we've seen for a few years now that he could just jump in that Skoda and you know he, he could drive it on his door handles and there was no not really any consequences for his actions really in terms of if the if the car was broke then you know he'd, he'd go away probably be a little bit upset about it on Sunday night and then he'd turn up two months later in the next round and the car would be sparkling clean for him so he's, he's come into a, a different situation with Toyota where he can't afford to do that at the start of his WRC career because you know he'll get a reputation for, for crashing, crashing too much and, and the, the pressure will be turned up on him and in actual fact he started with the Monty which is you know never a difficult event and it's one of the I think um, I'm not talking numbers here but it's definitely one of the events that Cali's done uh, fewest of in terms of his WRC uh, experience and obviously going there in a, in a WRC car for the first time is always going to be tricky delivered a brilliant performance there and then obviously took his first podium um, and not to be underestimated the fact that he's he's done that in a, a ding dong fight with Sebastian Ogier you know Sebastian Ogier has been beaten before on events it happens you know fairly fairly often but it's doing that over the course of a season where Cali will prove that he's the, the next champion but in terms of uh, in starting your second WRC event and spending pretty much the whole thing within you know a couple of seconds of uh, arguably one of the best drivers of a generation and to come out on top has got to be a massive confidence boost for him the thing he's got to do now is not uh, invest too much in that in the sense that he needs to needs to keep the same approach going make sure he's getting to the end of these events and getting the experience in the in the WRC car and not be so buoyed by the fact that he's just beaten Sebastian Ogier on one rally that he then you know pushes too hard on, on the next few rallies because mentally that's how Sebastian Ogier has beaten a lot of his opponents in the past well that's uh, do you know what and I'll I'll come to you Trev right um, just talking about obviously what Jack just said with regards to the, the, the mentally what Sebastian Ogier has done um, are the the next generation of drivers you know whether we 
whether we actually include Elvin in this, I'm not entirely sure, but certainly the likes of uh, of Cali. Are they coming in now a lot smarter mentally into the sport, do you think? Yeah, well, I'll go back to what I said. You know, I have high hopes for Callaghan. As you know, I tipped him for the rally. And, you know, if you think about it, we didn't, we didn't foresee Elvin's pace and the, the, the way he'd run the front. Uh, with Tannock up there as well, I wasn't so sure about his pace after Monte Carlo. So he could have actually won the rally quite easily. And you think back and, and look at it logically, look at uh, his pace from nine years of age has always been quick. His ability to learn, the big one of everybody remembers is Argentina a couple of years ago. But if you look back, I think there's only one rally each year that he didn't finish, or at least he's some sort of an accident or, or caused damage in a significant way. Um, so that side of things is just incredible. For me, you've got to look at the guys who trusted him. Tommy McEnham, Lassie Lampe, who advised Tommy McEnham through his career, and it's, of course, uh, a guru within that Toyota team. Those guys are quite happy for him to have it a go. No problem in holding him back, give him his head on that power stage. There's no holding him back. What was he doing trying to challenge for the power stage? In normal circumstances, you wouldn't have that. But they know the kid. They know what he's capable of. They let him go. I was watching it through my fingers at times, the speed he was going. But they had the confidence in him, and that tells me a load about what that kid can do. Right. You, you, obviously, you, you've sat with lots of drivers and stuff and, and, and things over the years. When, when you see um, Cali, uh, do you think that this is this is potentially another anomaly in the sport that could happen here? And what I mean is by that, is this somebody that already could be could be one of the greats even before he started? Uh, yeah, I mean, his as Trevor just said, his performance on the power stage was was nothing short of incredible. It was um, you know relatively long stage. It was mixed surface. He was competing against the the best drivers in the world who've done that rally year in year out. And yes, okay, the conditions were a little bit unusual, but he was the one who could manage the changeable grip levels. He was the one who was clearly taking a bit more when the grip was there. Um, and, and yet stayed on the road. And, uh, you know, there was that one sector where he just suddenly took a chunk of time out of, out of Tanak and Auger. Um and, and that one stage alone has shown just what he's capable of. Now, I'm sure there will be errors through the year. We've got to expect that. But it is, uh, you know, it's just a sign of his class, I think, that we hear a lot from drivers. I haven't got the experience. I haven't done this rally enough times. Um, you know, I, I haven't made pace notes on this rally before. So he was he was doing all that for the first time. You know, he'd never done that stage before. They were new notes to him, unlike everybody else. And bang, he blew away the best in the world. So we've got to expect mistakes, um, but also we've got to expect brilliance. Um, and, and yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, it, it's easy to say he's been driving since he was he was eight or, or whatever, but. This, uh, we, we talked about it last week. Until you put somebody in a top-line world championship car against top-line opposition, it's only then that you'll see how good they are. And there's plenty of people have fallen by the wayside trying to do that. Um, and, and yes, he's had a great build-up to the point where he is. But, God, for his age and experience, he's an incredible prospect. And we can really see that now. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just slightly left field before we carry on with Sweden, and and this the, there may not be an answer to this question, but we we all know the support that 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 Cali's had clearly, obviously from his father, and obviously you know from coaching and coming up and and everything else, and obviously the the the, the management and things like that. Is the one driver 
that you could name out there at the moment um, that may be doing WRC2 or WRC3 or whatever, or juniors or whatever, if you were to give them the same opportunity what he's just had at Toyota, who would it be? Jack? Oliver, Oliver Sol- sorry. Oh, go, go on. We'll go with Trev. Oliver Solberg? Oliver Solberg. Same sort of uh, setup, driving since he was a young kid, a lot of mentoring. Um, clearly can handle the pressure. We saw that last year in the European Championship, his first win. Um, um, yeah, someone like that. Okay. Jack? I don't think there is anyone. You don't think there is anyone? Okay. Rai? I kind of agree with Jack to a degree. I mean, I think Oliver's been very impressive um, and, and we'll see him develop. Uh, he, he had his, you know, he wasn't, he didn't stand out at the weekend and I haven't really analysed his performance, but, um, you know, I don't know what his issues were. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, I think I'd be, I think you'd be brave to say you could put money on somebody else doing what Cali's doing so quickly. Okay. Oscar's, sorry, Oscar, I always say Oscar, don't I? And I always get criticised yeah. for it. Oliver, Oliver is approximately two to two and a half years behind Robin Perra in terms of experience in, in the WRC because not only has Robin Perra had the events, but he's had that testing with Skoda as well. And he's had, you know, two, pretty much two full years in the WRC and a little bit longer as well. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying Oliver won't, won't be good enough because I'm sure he's going to be up there in the future and the two of them are going to be fighting together. But in terms of asking, which driver you would pick to, to do what Robin Perry did at the weekend. There isn't one. No, I, I, I thought he, Tony was asking the potential to do it. Who's got the most potential to do it? That's what I understood, maybe. I think that's not what he asked. To be fair, it was a bit open-ended. <laughs> it was, you know, it's, we, we, we work fast and loose here, Trev. We work fast and loose, you know. It's, it, it, that's it, not it, how Trev works, you know that. I know, I know. My bad, my bad. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing we need to... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um... Uh, there was a lot more said, excuse me, with regards to WRC2 and WRC3, Ryan Champion, um, again on Sweden. Uh, I, I think you've kind of poked the fire, so to speak, for, for, for everybody. But I think everybody still comes to the same conclusion. Is I just want to be the fastest R5 driver. Yeah, I'll not get dragged into this one any further than I have. But um, yeah, well, that's that's right. Uh, those that are entering WRC3 uh, probably entering it because they maybe haven't got the budget or they, yeah, they, they don't think they can beat the, the WRC2 drivers. But that's that's exactly what they're aiming for. Everybody wants to be the first R5 car. And, and like you said, if you can be a WRC3 driver beating the WRC2 so-called um, factory drivers, then... And, and that's the most you can achieve. Um, but like I said, it's, it's talked about, and again, it was talked about on uh, WRC Plus and everything else, that WRC2 is the pro category. Amateurs can enter it, and that's the, the really complicated thing. That we've got uh, works back drivers in WRC3, and then nothing to stop amateur drivers turning up in WRC2. And, and to be honest, what's the difference between a, a pro drive, sorry, a pro drive, uh, an M Sport entered Fiesta and a Skoda Motorsport, even if it's the customer team, entered uh, Fabia. The, the only difference is the name it's entered under and maybe who's paying for it. But ultimately, it's still the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. That's what I, I, I was um, I, I, I was keen to see. Obviously, Hyundai, um, um, I, I, I don't think we quite realise just how much investment that Hyundai are putting in at the moment. Um, I, it's not quite grassroots, is it? But Yari Hutton, who um, got the result on um, on Sweden. But obviously, 
Hyundai have got the junior team now, and obviously they've got the ERC team, which is what they're doing with, with, with Craig as well to keep Craig max fit. I wanted to come to to Craig as well. I want to come back to the the, the, the top line bef- bef- boys before we go back into to our five. I wanted to talk about Hyundai specifically. Um, uh, what we've seen from Craig, Jack, I think you know, in all intents and purposes, I wasn't expecting that much more from him. If that if that makes sense. It's always going to be difficult, and you know Craig's obviously popped up every now and again and, and delivered a you know a pretty sensational result here and there, and that that kind of uh, tempers your expectations a little bit, doesn't it? But it was a sensible drive; it didn't blow anyone away. Um, you know, obviously he's finished; he had his best WRC finish there a few years ago, so people expect a lot. But difficult event. Um, I thought maybe uh, maybe he would do a little bit better, but you know you look at the standard driver in front of him, and you're looking for retirements there, aren't you? You're not looking to, to beat them on pace, given the fact that he's not in the car every week. You know you've got Nerbo, Ojo, and Tanaki fought for the championship last year. You've got Robin Perry in a, in a Toyota and Elvin in a Toyota, and, and then you've got Lappy, who, who's you know obviously a proven driver. So yeah, I think I think Craig did a decent job. And just coming back to Putnam, I'm pretty sure he's not Hyundai back then anyway, and that was Isn't the he? old the old spec. I twenty five really? that he was driving as well. So that that made so, the if that's right, that made the that win a lot more impressive. Who the so it's it's one of your favourites who who's got the support, isn't it? Ole Christian Baby. <laughs> yeah. And Nikolai Greisland as well is the other Nikolai Greisland. Sorry, you're, you're right. They've, they've, they've obviously they've got they've got an updated car this year and they're putting a lot of a lot of backing behind those two drivers and also um in various other championships around the world as well. But um some to my knowledge, Yari's driving a car that did um Czech and Polish rounds last year and is not the you know the not the updated right, car okay. so, so it's not the, think, the latest but, evolution but just to say that though, there's nothing to stop the older cars being updated because i had quite a long chat with oshin price about this who obviously is recently yeah. now car, and he said they had some of the latest updates last year even um so he said most of them and the car that he drove in on the cambrian had the updates so even though it's an older car so it's you know they, they can be added to the older cars yeah i think that's, that's the whole that's the whole point isn't it? it's almost like a bridge to the new car um, I think when the, the the release was was made, I know they've done some engine. <clears throat> I know they've done some engine updates as well because I know somebody was who was at one of the engine tests before Christmas. But um, I won't talk about that. There you go. There you go. Um, I wanted to um, come to Hyundai because we've you know we 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 kind of we darted about a little bit and we we, we I think it was Trevor mentioned Tanak before and you know um, should we should we not be doffing our caps here a little bit to a toy because we know he's the ice man and we know he's cool and everything else but after that monumental accident to come back and do the job he did on sweden i think is is, is perhaps been missed as well what do you think trev uh, very very valid point especially the fact that between monte carlo and just before sweden he actually uh went and sat in a couple of rally cars local to him to see how the belts were he was concerned that he wasn't going to be able to make uh, Sweden just simply because he was hurting so much uh, around the thorax so uh, to go out and perform a guy and again someone who you just wanted to get through without any hassle you'd imagine if he had had another incident in that rally how that would have affected his confidence but you're right his performance was quite incredible given the fact that in those conditions limited seat time in that car but uh, yeah that's, you, it, it was overlooked I agree with you Right um, are we now is is I don't know. This is very very easy to say. Obviously, they've they've rotated the team again. Obviously, it's it's Danny Sordo back for for back for Rally Mexico. But um, 
you know, we, we were, we applauded obviously what went on last year with regards to perhaps, well, the, there was no perhaps about it. They got the team's championship because he moved drivers around and stuff like that. Is this perhaps potentially going to go the other way now where maybe moving drivers around isn't going to be the way to go? Uh, well, obviously, they seem to be up against three drivers capable of uh, performing at a similar level at, at Toyota this year, which, um, you know, no disrespect to the team last year, but but it was a little bit inconsistent in terms of the three drivers on, on each rally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in theory, it's always difficult to uh, to get three drivers that, that can compete at that level for the season, and and that's why, uh, you know, Darmo seems fit to, to rotate them. I, I, I did uh, I did like one of the comments on Twitter when uh, when the Hyundai announcement came out. It said something about the tarmac specialist uh, going to a gravel rally. One of the comments, and I could just see the smoke coming out of Jack Benyon's ears as I, <laughs> as I read that comment on Twitter. And mine. Yeah, that's, that's Jake. That's Jake Benyon's ear. Yeah, that's Jake, oh, yeah. Mr. Jake. Um, yeah, yes, because I mean, obviously, Soldo put some great performances in last year, but as as Craig said, I mean, it probably didn't help that this rally was so short because there literally was no time to get in it. You had to be um, at 100% straight away. But, I mean, that's current WRC, isn't it? Even on the, the normal length rallies, there's no time to, to play yourself in or, or else you're on the back foot other than maybe road position that, that might help with that. But, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, can a, a driver coming in on a part-time program in the third car now compete at the same level as, as three drivers firing on all cylinders on every event that'll be it, it's a completely different strategy and we'll see how that one plays out over the next few rallies i guess the road position is going to help in mexico isn't it yes yeah of course yeah and to play himself in a little bit probably yeah jack what well, as the steam clears from coming out your ears um <laughs> I think I think the stats speak for themselves. Two wins, one on tarmac, one on gravel. There you go. Done and dusted. Thanks very much. Let's move on to the next one, shall we? <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you about that. What I was going to ask you about is um, we spoke at length last year. I seem to remember it was you and I who seemed to speak about it more for some reason. I might be wrong on this, but with regards to that whole squad kind of rotation thing, uh, and obviously we 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 were we questioned it at times, and then obviously you know we were we were invariably proved wrong come the end of the season when the championship was was sealed. Um, following on from what Rice just said, there it's a very very different championship now, and is he almost got too much choice, Adamo? Now it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think the uh, I think it's how you sort of assess the the issue. So like Toyota's. Well, I don't think anyone can really argue that Robin Perry is the third driver in that in that three, even though he started the season so well. And he was, you know, the the, the pros versus cons with Robin Perry is almost definitely going to be a future world champion at some point. The the cons being, you're probably going to expect him to roll into a ball at some point this year, and you know maybe a few times, and maybe he's going to make some silly mistakes. And that's the kind of that's the that's the pro and con scenario you set yourself up in. Whereas I, I guess the problem Adamo's got is, I, I imagine he'd love to have. Lobe in the car for a season or maybe we're getting to the point where, where he wouldn't but there's definitely some events you would like Sebastian Loeb in for and and Sordo you know I, I think any of the teams would take Sordo on for a season based on the fact that you know his, his, his ability to finish rallies in, in strong positions you know pretty much any surface any rally any conditions but the problem is Adamo can't have Sordo or Loeb for a whole season so he's kind of forced into this do I take the benefit of having those guys in um, and, and the downside is obviously they're not always going to be match fit when they start the rally or, or, or do I, you can know, I go... can I just come in on that 
right, is that now not the time to go, do you know what, we need, we, we, we've got to have somebody full time now? Well, I think the difference is this year, though, you've got, you know, you've got two number one drivers, haven't you? And, and arguably that could be the case in Toyota now as well. So if you've got Evans that can consistently drive at the same level as Auger, um, you're not relying on your third driver quite so much. And it should be the same at Hyundai, really, in theory. If, if Tanak and Deville are both doing the job that we expect them to do, yes, there might be the odd trip up along the way. But really, the third car this year should only come into play on an occasional basis, whereas previously when you only had one number one driver in the team, obviously the, the second and third car, whichever one was in front, was the, the point scorer. So I think that's probably changed the philosophy a little bit of how to win the championship this year. Mm. Okay, okay. You've I also just, considered as well taking points off other people your third car though, right? Yeah, uh, yes, you have. Um, but also, I mean, we just mentioned about Craig Green at the weekend. Uh, Craig couldn't, wouldn't have been allowed to finish any higher than he did. Yeah, of course. Because the last thing they wanted to do was was him take points off off Thierry. So he shadowed Thierry for the whole rally. And, and yes, he was a little bit frustrated. And uh, and yes, he probably didn't have a lot more speed anyway. But there's no way he would have been allowed to finish any higher than he did. It's a really good point. It's a really good point. Um, uh, just moving away briefly from 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 high end, I think we, we we've got to also mention. Um, again, because uh, we, we we've kind of got sucked sucked into mentioning our favourite driver, as they like to talk about on other parts of the world, uh, who won. But um, Lappy's performance, I think that was one for 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 M Sport needed, um, and also one that probably Lappy himself needed, Jack. To be honest. Yeah, always nice to have a confidence boost like that and, and get a decent finish against strong opposition. Obviously, uh, point scoring is important for for M Sport based on the fact they've only got two consistent entries uh, every week. So uh, maybe maybe they think that's less important because they're unlikely to fight for for constructors championship. But um, you know, point points on the board's always good. Um, you know, and, and Lappy I think has had a, a turbulent couple of years, whether it's his, his own decision making or, or factors outside of his control. The performances haven't quite been there. Over the past couple of seasons, despite being in, you know, uh, despite, well, he's been beaten by his teammates comprehensively in that time as well. So, you know, this season was a big one for him. He needed to uh, take that car by the scuff of his neck, prove that he can beat teammates on on a regular basis at least, and then, you know, start to look at fighting for podiums. And I think think we'll definitely see Lappy build towards that. I think two of his, um, you know, not two of his strongest events to, to start the year, I'd say. So, you know, he'd be happy to get those out of the way with pretty decent performances in, in both, I'd say, and, you know, building on working towards that podium later in the year, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to mention the juniors as well, because it's something we spoke about um, quite a bit um, last week. And obviously, friend of the show and our man in juniors um, had what can only be described as, as a monumental off. And it was one of those ones where you feel a little bit sick when you see it, especially when it starts hitting. Um, you know, I thought it was, um, well, it was a telegraph pole as it turned out to be right. Um, but I've seen the after damage. I did text John pretty much straight away and he, he was back to me relatively quickly, which was a, a little bit of a relief, but, uh, a horrible one really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awful. Um, I mean, obviously you never want to have a, an accident at the best of times, but, um, it's uh yeah not nice to see either from from inside or outside of the car but uh anyway thankfully he was 
you know he's he's okay, a bit bruised and battered, but but doing okay, and I'm sure he'll be back. And it's um, you know as we talked about after Monte Carlo, it, it is the downside of this sport, and and thankfully we we rarely see big accidents, considering how how fast everybody is is pushing nowadays, and just you know everybody's taking everything to the maximum, the juniors or or the WRC cars or the R5 cars in between, and. Uh, yeah, you just want to see somebody come out, recover from it, and, and move on. Absolutely. Now, Jack, I've seen um, a, a stat somewhere that on some of the straights, um, you know, the, the, the average of the juniors was, was not a million miles away from, from what some of the world cars were doing, which that's, that's scary in a front-wheel drive car. Yeah, it's pretty – the, the tech in those, uh, in those fiestas is, is pretty scary, to be honest. Um no, scary is the wrong word. It's it's a very impressive. Um, if you see the engine block, it's like the size of a A4 sheet of paper, and the the power that they produce is is pretty incredible. Um, also, I think it's a you know I think it's a, obviously it's the first round of the season, so everyone's pushing hard, and I think that I think there's a few drivers looking around there thinking there's probably five or six people who could win this championship, and I, I can't really afford to have a bad start. So um, yeah, I think all those factors playing in. Obviously, the the rally was quicker than it usually is uh, due to the conditions. So all of those things added up, and uh, you know they were a little bit further back on the road as well. So yeah, rapid pace from the from the juniors to be fair. I, I was just looking at, and you know, I know we spoke about it, or we all spoke about it last week, Trev. But um, this, you know, like like all championships, I suppose, and this is where I was kind of going last week. You know, you, you once you get beyond kind of you know sixth or seventh, you know, we're into kind of plus six minutes, plus six minutes, plus ten minutes, plus eleven minutes, plus eleven minutes. You know, it's, it's, it, there's some people obviously clearly must be having a long-term strategy for this type of championship because it is a great deal of money to be spending to, to, to be, you know, finishing rallies 11 minutes behind somebody in exactly the same car as you. Uh, yeah, to a point. I think there's certainly people who want to learn the events to have an attack the following year if they're young enough. Uh, as you mentioned, there's probably six or seven on Sweden. Uh, there are probably quite a few, four or five that could have won it. So best not to battle those guys in that round. Um, but yeah, you have to remember people doing the Junior World Rally Championship, well, that will allow them to attract a few backers and uh, certainly in countries where they're able to get on to TV programs and primetime telly, that, that's enough to keep them uh, active and, get, and give them plenty of uh, publicity around that. So that's maybe something that uh, is working for those guys. Very much so. Well done, Tom Christensen, on winning the Juniors. Uh, right, boys, we are at that point, believe it or not. Uh, we've rambled on long enough. We're at the point of our any other businesses for this week because we're all going to be present and correct because we may not all be present and correct for the rest of the podcast. So has everybody got any other business for this week? Yep. yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, Jack Bengen. I just want to say a big well done to, to Scott Martin on getting his first WRC overall event. And it's not a particularly lengthy or in-depth any other business. But, um, yeah, you know, I think um, Scott is someone who pretty much everyone who's involved in either the WRC or in UK rallying will have come across in a service park at some point. He's always one of the most polite people you'll ever meet. He'll always come up and say hello, shake your hand and, and have a good chat with you. And, um, you know, just I think one of the, one of the most genuine guys you'll you'll probably come across in in, in a uk rallying paddock to be fair well that's my experience of him anyway so well done to, to scotty it's obviously a massive achievement to get that to get that first win and to do it on a rally like sweden where only two other british co-drivers have, have won before is is a, a major achievement so well done to him and i'm sure that it won't be the first there won't be the last one this year perfect perfect and point off as using the word paddock so there you go um ryan champion 
well, I was kind of looking back at um, the performances of British drivers on on Rally Sweden. I mean, we we heard a lot about uh, it being the, the first British win on the the Swedish Rally, which uh, that alone is is maybe quite surprising when you look at the drivers that that we've had in the past. Um, it was uh, Colin McRae was the was the next best with uh, second overall. When did Colin finish second? Anybody remember that one? Ninety four. Ninety three, I'd say. Yeah, close. Way back in ninety two in the Legacy. Wow. Um, so that was ninety two. When, when the, yes, ninety two. <laughs> well done. Well done, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> so on one of his uh, his first appearances in a in a proper car, <laughs> careful. Are you all right there, Travis? Yeah, my team went down the wrong way. Uh, easy when uh, that happens. But Colin took uh, several podiums in uh, in Sweden, but that was his best result. That uh, that second in the in the legacy. Um, Burnsy took third on uh, just a one and only podium there on his final outing in in. 2003. Maybe surprisingly for Chris Meek, a man who's won Finland, who loves the fast stages, his best result was obviously, was just last year. So it was his sixth place in the in the Toyota. Um, and then we, uh, we we heard stories again over the weekend about the famous story of, uh, of Malcolm Wilson uh, leading the rally. He led the rally after stage two in 1993, but then he crashed on stage three. Um, but uh, just, just going back to that, that Colin McCreer result, it Shows you really how far back it was. The, the rally was won by Matt Johnson. Third was Stig Blomqvist. Fourth was Marco Allen. Uh, sixth was uh, Per Eklund. Uh, and eighth was Lassie Lampy. Um, obviously a big part of the Toyota team now. So uh, some real names of the past. Um, and interestingly, in 14th place was Arnie Radstrom. Wow. Why is that relevant to this show? I think particularly to you and me, Tony, actually. Oh, parents. Of Dennis Radstrom. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, well, you've just let me, my any other business was actually going to be dad's. Because obviously now Toyota have got their own little crash thing going on because for the dads, because obviously Harry's there and Gwyndaf's there um, for, for obviously the respective sons. And that was going to be my only other business. Dad's, dad, dad, dad's, dads and lads in rallying like that. So there you go. There you go. So that, that's, that's my one done. That's my one done. So it's just yours now, Trev. Yeah, well, Jack stole mine. Uh, I was going to ask the question if Elvin Evans would have won the rally had he had a co-driver with him, because he didn't seem to be mentioned that much over the weekend. Uh, I actually put a tweet up on Sunday congratulating Scott Martin on winning his first World Championship rally, and uh, and well done, Elvin, for helping him out. But uh, it seemed a bit facetious, so I took it down. Uh, Scott Martin, brilliant top bloke, 112 rallies it took him, he's been so close on many occasions, he's had his ups and downs, You talk, we talked last week about commitment and putting everything into it, I think he started off life as a tech at M Sport, he became friends with Matthew Wilson and started co-driving Matthew, but uh, top, top bloke, really good to see, so that was initially going to be mine as well, but I've got a reserve, um, apparently this up. week. <laughs> Apparently this week, uh, World Rally Championship stakeholders are meeting in Geneva, and the whole idea is to stabilise the engine spec for next generation World Rally cars. Now, like you, I thought that it was going to run with the current, what they call the global race engine, uh, which is what Toyota, surprise, surprise, money bags want to do. However, Hyundai and M Sport uh, are looking, and they're favouring a more cost-effective motor based around the philosophy that used to be called R5, now R2. And the difference is quite 
consider it, I think, because uh, a global race engine costs close to €150,000. Uh, the Rally 2 version is about 30000 So that's going to be an interesting meeting this week as to see what way they're going to go with that. And uh, you mentioned Hyundai earlier as well. I see that they've entered Titanic now in the same rally that they're going to put Sordo in, which I think is around the Portuguese championship. So Toyota, we know, can test plenty at home. And... Uh, if unlimited testing in their base and gravel and, and snow conditions in the winter, Hyundai choose to spend their money by doing rallies in their 2017 spec type war rally car. So this is going to be an interesting um, meeting uh, this week. And again, we've saw a little bit uh, over the weekend where uh, Eve Matton was talking about hybrid regulations and choosing the kit that's going to go into that. So that seems to be uh, delayed a little bit to June. Um, I'm still not convinced that these rules are nailed and that everybody's committed to them, so it'll be interesting to see how the next two or three weeks pan out. Very much so, very much so. Um, I just wanted to give a quick uh, a quick mention to... Uh, where are we? Um, Wendy Lillycrap, who has sent an email we're talking about with regards to uh, motor clubs and people are getting involved. Thanks, Wendy. Um, I shared I shared it with all the boys. We did have a read through, and we also got uh, some messages as well via Facebook and uh, with regards to motor clubs and people who are involved in motor clubs and how they're getting young people involved. We are actually going to get somebody on from one of the motor clubs to talk a little bit more about it um, at some point over the next few weeks. But uh, thanks to Luke Tate as well for sending a message in. Um, right, boys. Um, you can you can all stand down for the time being. Ryan may be back a bit later on. There's a teaser for you, but he may not be. Um, but Jack, you can go back to selling the big issue. Thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Thanks very much. Hopefully, I sell enough to uh, keep my keep a roof over my head, so I can keep doing absolute rally. Good lad, good lad. And Trev, we will catch up soon. Also, okay, thank you, folks. We'll be back after this break. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. Sorry, a little bit of a teaser. Ryan is now not with us in this section, so he's got a he's got a, he's got a note and everything. He's not turned up, but uh, one man that is with us is a man that won Sweden at the weekend. And congratulations on your first WRC win, Scott Martin. Hi, thanks very much. Thank you. It's great to have you on. Um, uh, we now record this on Wednesday. I'm gathering you've had a little bit of time to um, sleep. Relax, take it all in. Um, have you allowed yourself a moment to go? I'm now a WRC winner. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I got back on Monday. Um, yesterday, I felt a little bit low on energy, um, but just spent the day. <laughs> That's called a hangover, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Um, so I just, I just took the day basically to, like you say, absorb it. And I got a lot, a lot of support from everybody from all over the place, from friends and families to colleagues to, you know, you name it. It was, it was everywhere. So, um, it was, you know, that was really nice. Um, you know, it was really, really nice to get. And, uh, so I just took some time to, to, to apply and, you know, catch up with a few guys because, you know, since, since the end of last year, it's been, it's been really busy and, and there's a lot going on and a lot of work and, a lot of travelling, so um, 
now we find ourselves in a little bit of a gap till the next one. So I, I, I knew I could afford a day or two this week just to soak it, soak it all up, and, and yeah, catch up with a load of old friends and and guys that I haven't speak to for a long time, and, and you know, reply to some of the, the lovely messages that I got. Brilliant, brilliant. It's been. Um... I don't know whether you've actually worked it. I'm sure you have, but 132 starts was it, give or take? Yeah, I did. I did check that out. I mean, I have been keeping count over the years. Um, it's obviously all on online as well. So, uh, but I knew I'd hit the 130 mark by the end of last year. Um, so, so it wasn't it wasn't hard to to, to do the maths from there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of rallies. Um, it's been quite a journey. Um, every co-driver out there has had a different one and, uh, and some do it very quickly and some never do it and some, some it takes a bit longer so I was obviously taking a bit longer to get mine but uh, yeah the, the journey has been fantastic a lot of ups a lot of downs but uh, I wouldn't have changed it and um, no but it, it's great to be able to say that you know that first win is now now in the bag so, um, but I'm already thinking about the next one. So, um, that, that, you know, I was going to say that's the nature of the beast. That's what makes you what you are, though, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's why you strive to 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 do it. And um, you know, it's not the be all and end all. Uh, I, like I said, I've enjoyed um, successes in other ways and and in other championships as well. So, um, it's not it's not all been dry, let's say, but. Um, yeah, but the feeling was so good, and and just the whole start to finish of the rally, you know, just the feeling inside the car when everything's working well, you know, setting a faster stage time. It's there's you know nothing nothing much really beats that. Um, and uh, yeah, but then you know when you're in that position, you you're leading, you know, we're leading in Monte Carlo even just the, the you know the first event of this year, and just on the final day, it didn't click. And uh, we we ended up with a podium finish, which was fantastic. And it's you know if someone had offered us at the start of the week in Monte Carlo a podium, you you would take it both hands. So you know there's lots of things going through our minds. You know we're back in the situation of leading the rally again. We had um, you know the one stage to do the power stage. So then you know the feeling and the situation is a little bit different, and you just want to cross that finish line and and, and get it done. So. So um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I'm really really pleased to to have have the win, and the feeling was so good all weekend that yeah, like like I just said, uh, just desperate to get another one. <laughs> it, it, well, I was going to ask you about how it clicked because obviously we, we all know it was a reduced Sweden, but you, you still I think it was nine stages. I think you guys won five of them, maybe or is it six? Five? I know I know it was more than half the stages that that yeah. you guys one what was there anything different or was this just a carry on do you think from from monte carlo it, what clicked because you mentioned about clicking there and that was one of the things i was going to ask you because it it, it, it something does it did seem to happen and i can't quite put my finger on it watching the onboards but clearly something has happened and i don't know quite know what it is and i'm hoping because you're in the car you might be able to identify <laughs> it maybe you don't want to tell us i don't know <laughs> yeah no so you don't want me just to say I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, but, uh, by all means. Well, I mean, even we've seen it, even with the other drivers, uh, even last year, you know, there'd be one driver somewhere that would just do like an amazing time out of nowhere, you know, maybe take six or seven seconds off someone in like 20Ks or something like that. 
and and like you know we've had chats amongst ourselves and it'd be like you know and we've, we've I think everyone's kind of said like didn't know what we did different you know and there'll be one stage that you know a driver's done that and taken that time out of you and you'll go god I thought I drove, drove a good stage so I mean even those points in last year um, you know the, the, you'd see this outstanding time and you know, you, you know, each driver would say, yeah, it felt good. But when we really got to speak, you know, behind closed doors and in, in private, it was like, you know, a lot of the drivers would say, I have no idea what I did. I don't know why, <laughs> you know. So it's it's strange. But I think the difference in Sweden for me was, or not the difference, but what was so good is that the consistency and, and yeah, like the stage win after stage win after stage win was just brilliant. Like on a Friday, and then we woke up Saturday morning. Uh, you know, second pass of the stage is going to be a lot more gravel. Conditions are still cold. Um, and the first stage, I felt like we were on the limit. You know, I felt like in places we were just like hanging on, and it was great. You know, it was. Just for like 110 percent, you know. But probably a bit too aggressive, maybe, or I don't know if aggressive is the right word. But it just felt on the limit, um, and we're three seconds quicker than anyone. And I think it was just good to wake up, put that time in, and that was a little bit of a settler. Um, and I think we both said, you know, or I said to him, and I thought, well, it felt really good. Like it felt like in a lot of places you couldn't have gone a tenth quicker. You know, it just really did feel like um, you know you're on the maximum. And the next one, he, he just took off half a percent, and it, it was a bit more like what we were doing on the Friday. Um, and again, I think we're three and a half seconds quicker. So that was like, okay, you know, this this is feeling good. We can just keep doing this and keep doing it. And it just felt like we could, you know, do it until we didn't have to do it anymore. You know, it just felt comfortable. And, um, and then going into that third stage, we probably going a little bit handier because the conditions warmed up a little bit more and it was just a bit a bit of a trickier stage um, and it just decided to be a bit more conservative well we had our only moment in the rally um, just coming into a corner with you know quite good speed um, you know on the on the safe side of it anyway but and that's probably lucky that we were because it just touched the sump guard I think he said on the end of the TV, uh, end of the stage on the TV and uh, it just kind of forced the car a little bit wide and we touched the snowbank on the outside. It probably looked worse outside than it, than it was inside. It didn't feel so bad to me. Did you That's see... like when you take a little bit off, then little, not, you know, little things can happen when you, when you start slowing yeah. down a little bit or when you start, you know, playing it safe. So, but, uh, but that was great to get through the two days of uh, the rally and, and we had a, a good, a good uh, comfortable lead. Did you see the the footage of the banner that was in front yeah. of you guys? That that blew my mind. I don't know. I'm sure you've seen it by now, but uh, you know, how one, how good were those spectators? And two, do you even allow yourself to think what might have happened if you went over that banner? Well, I didn't see it till I got home. Right. Um, okay. So I know I was oblivious to it. Um, you know, during the rally, I can't. I don't even know what stage it was on or what day it was on. Yeah, so, no, I, I I couldn't get to the bottom of it either. It came no, out, obviously, so. after the rally, so I I, yeah. I was hoping you were going to turn around and say, well, I know what that stage was because we were there or whatever, but you've answered that one anyway. No, I don't. Um, uh, you know, no doubt I'll find out in due course, but, uh, you know, my immediately thought, because it was so late in arriving, this footage, I thought that it was on the power stage. Yeah. 
Um, with it being an advertising thing, I just immediately thought power stage. And the first words that came into mouth it was that if that had cost us the rally yeah. win, you know, final stage like Corsica, you know, I just I said in, in jest, I was like, I'll, I'll just give up rallying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because something like that to happen last stage, you know, you win in the rally, and it would have been, you know, obviously the first first win. You know, if something like that happens, it just, yeah, it it doesn't bear thinking about it anymore, really. No, no not at all. Let's uh, not let, let's not go there. <laughs> we'll step away from that, mate. We'll step away from that. Um, but uh, but a big thanks to them. A big yeah. a big thanks to them. I mean, that's that's how hard it is to win a rally because it's you know you can be doing everything right, but you can just get a little bit of bad luck. It, you know, that's a Absolutely. bit freak with it being an advertising banner, but it could be a rock, it could be it could be anything. Yeah. And that's how hard it is to win one of these uh, world championship events. It's it's things like that. It's a tough competition, it's it's the whole package, so and a and a bit of luck thrown in at the end. So thankfully yeah. we've had it all um in Sweden and uh yeah, that was good. Good stuff. Um you you guys obviously this is this is year two now with Elvin, obviously both of you leaving your spiritual home of M Sport. I know obviously you 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 started there and then obviously went by Citra and everything else, but you've got strong links there, and we know Elvin's history there as well. Going into uh, you know this 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 monster that is, I suppose Toyota Gazoo, and and obviously with the legend it's also Tommy Mackinnon as well. Did you have goals at the beginning of the season? Did you have targets? How how does it work? You know, do you have personal targets? Do you think okay, well, you know, if we can get here by this point and I suppose the next question is a multi-question is uh, have you exceeded what you thought you were going to do already um, I, I haven't set any personal targets no um, and I think yeah going into a team like this was it going to be a big step or a big change for Elvin uh, like you said I've I've been to two or three teams now and seen how different things can be worked and uh, and the level of resources that some of the big, big manufacturers are, are throwing at the at the teams. Um, so yeah, so I um, I was allowing ourselves a little bit of time to really, you know, get to speed with the car, and I thought Ogier would adapt uh, quicker at the start because he's changed team in the past few years. He's been. Obviously, from Citroen to Volkswagen, then back to Citroen, and, and no, sorry, he had the M Sport a couple of years, M Sport, then Citroen, and then here. So he knows what to look out for. He know, you know, he's been through the process and, and been very, very successful at it. You know, he won Monte Carlo six times in a row, uh, which must be with three different cars up until obviously this year. So he, you know, he was class act at it. Let's say. So I, I thought to myself that you know that maybe it would take us two or three rallies just to you know to with it being such a, a new experience for Elvin and, and me and him had only been a year together and you know so and you know that year was obviously a bit distracted and disjointed when he injured himself so so yeah um uh, so let's say I was allowing ourselves a bit of time you know yes we wanted to set some fastest times because we knew the car can be quick uh, we know Elvin can be quick, but you know maybe to do it consistently on every stage and and uh, and over the first three rallies, let's say I was allowing ourselves a little bit of breathing space. But like on both, that's two rallies there where the speed has you know been on every stage, like almost every stage, uh, top three. 
Um, and that's what we're all trying to break into and have been doing for a while because that top three of Neville, Tanak and Rogier, you know, has been fairly dominant of, of late. So our main goal, let's say, if we're going to set any goals for ourselves this year was to to challenge that top three and, and, and try and do it, you know, nearly on every stage or at least on every rally. So I think we've probably, um, you know, We've probably done more than I expected. Uh, I certainly didn't expect to win in the first uh, inside the first two events. So um, I, I would have, I'd be lying if I said I thought we'd do that. Um, but going forward, um, it's you know, it, you know, it just we're we're excited. Uh, the, the team's given us great confidence. The car gives good confidence. Um, and uh, we're just kind of enjoying it. Um, like I said, in Sweden, I just enjoyed every stage. Um, and it just feels like it's all, it's, you know, it's all working. Um, Elvin's worked very hard to to make the, the you know, the, the change as, as seamless as possible. But ultimately, you, you can work as much, you know, as you, you possibly can. But, you know, still, it's hard to cover every possibility you know because even um even with cars and machines and and stuff like this you know things can happen and you don't expect them and, and they can happen at the wrong times but um yeah um it's been a great start but there's still a lot of work to do um, yeah we've not done we've not driven the car so much on gravel yet uh, we did one day um on a, on a rough gravel um situation um, so uh, we've got a couple of days testing ahead of us where we'll have to, you know, it's not wiping the slate clean at all. And, 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 you know, we've got a lot of kilometers in the car, which is important um, on tarmac and on the snow. Uh, but now we need to to, to kickstart on the gravel um, and, um, you know, try and be fully up to speed for, for Mexico. Do you think that's an easier, uh, because I, I've said it at different points in this podcast that, uh, with the guys at the top, I, I, I always feel that Monty and Sweden are standalone because they almost feel like specialists in their own right um, for a very obvious reasons. Uh, yeah. Whereas when we get to Mexico, that's where that's where it all kind of kicks on again because obviously you know, you've got gravel events and you've got tarmac events then. You know, there isn't really much deviation. Uh, obviously, there's Obviously, it changes with weather and things like that. But yeah. you know, these, these two events are quite specialist. And obviously, you said you haven't done a lot on gravel yet. And so, yeah. does that bear in mind what you've took took from 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 Monty and from Sweden? That experience going into starting to gravel test now is it uh, is it easier to go to gravel now and be quick? Bear in mind what you've just gone through with those two events. Is guess what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, I mean, but there's no guarantee, and uh, and like you said, every rally is a little bit different and a, a different um, character. Um, but we, I know, we're, this it's not we're not going to Mexico with new cars, so we know we know how the the cars generally last year performed on every surface, and and uh, you know the Toyota's a great a great car on gravel. You know, it's it's had some issues on the on the rougher terrain. Um, it's probably one of its weakest areas um but uh you know for us we you know it's going to be a little bit easier learning process because we've driven the car now for two two rallies um albeit on different surfaces but 
uh, let's say the the gravel makes up the bulk of the championship, so it's going to be important that we that we have a good a good testing session, you know, and there's there's transmissions to be linked and and and, th- and components to be linked that will take us through the next you know two or three rallies. Um, so it's it's going to be an important couple of days, uh, like I said, because there'll be some things that we commit to that we'll have to use later on in the season. Um, so so yeah, there's going to be a quite a big importance put on that. Um, and uh, and yeah, but uh, like I said, you know, it's like you know, you've we've had two really good performances, one on tarmac, one on snow. But yeah, it's almost like you go into gravel, and it, there's no guarantee that you know it, you're going to set the ball rolling just because of what we've done. So that, you know, there's going to be a lot of things to try and test, and you know, and each driver's a little bit different in how they want the car to react. So Elvin has to make sure that he um, that he tests everything and, and, and really gets something that suits him. And obviously we, we, we won't even get into but being first on the road as well, I guess is, yeah. is going to be a, a, another new thing yeah. to, to kind of get your head around as well. Yeah, well that's a big player and you know, like uh, every rally you go to, you could find yourself in a different road position. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, especially towards the start of the season, it, it chops and changes quite a bit because there's a lot of rallies there where it, it, it plays quite a crucial part so yeah, that's going to be a new experience, um, and you know, with a new car on this surface for us to to learn and and uh, and try. But uh, you know, the team has a lot of experience. They've done a lot of testing um, for this situation. So you know, they, they, the the test will be structured a lot round. Uh, you know, this will be one of the areas that we'll we'll work on. For sure, because uh, for Toyota we have a, a first on the road, third on the road, and fourth on the road. I believe, wow. uh, yeah. So, you know, it's not just going to. Uh, yeah, clearly, first on the road is the worst. But even even down, you know, from three to four, you're still going to have some cleaning, and you're still going to you're still going to have some low grip, uh, you know, sensation. So it's only until you start getting closer to you know maybe 10th on the road that you start to get the the more grippier uh, condition so there'll be a big part of the test working on that but like I said there's going to be transmissions and some components sealed for not just Mexico so you have to have uh, you know you have to cover more than just you know what you face in Mexico you have to think about the other rallies and then what you know might be the grip levels that you'll face on on day one, and then obviously on day two, it's you know if you can have a good day or if you have a good road position for day two, it's a completely different story then. So you need to try and cover cover a lot of things going forward, so you don't just put it all on on one situation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Listen, I'm really conscious of time. I want to ask you one last thing because I'm a little bit older than you, but obviously you've gone into a team. What's it like to work with Tommy? And is Tommy still hands-on as what he first was, it seemed, when that team was still kind of in its infancy? Because, obviously, he's a legend in his own right anyway. But what's, what, what, what's it like being around Tommy? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at the WRC, um, you know, I've worked with Malcolm. I've worked with, uh, you know, Yves Maton, Pierre Bouda. You know, I've worked with a few team bosses over, over the last few years. Uh, and now with Tommy and uh, Andrea Damo, I've never never worked for. So it's always I've always 
kind of taken a step back and, and thought about the different team bosses and just how different they are, particularly uh, the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, Tommy, you know, he's I, I, it's 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 working really well, let's say. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't. I think he has a, a great connection with the drivers because he comes from the driving. You know, he comes from and he's had so much success in, uh, you know, with four world championships. So it is four, isn't it? Yeah. Four world yep. championships. So, I mean, you know, that speaks for itself. So he has a great connection with the drivers, I believe. And, um, you know, and especially talking about the technical aspects of the car and then a lot of the rallies he'll have done. Um, so, and I think that's great to push the team forward and especially dealing with FIA and, you know, all the things that the team boss has to do. He really has the drivers you know, point of view on, you know, quite close to his heart. Um, so personally, I've not had um, much to do, but I'd say with the, the working of the whole team and, and the atmosphere in the team, it, it seems to be working well. Um, he He's there when he needs to be, and then he, he lets us do our job, and he, he seems to put a lot of trust in us. Um, and he, he, you know, he's, he's trusting that we're, you know, we'll do what's right for the team and uh, at the same time as obviously drive, trying to drive as fast as we can and, and, and get a, a good position in the rally and I think even just watching some of the TV from Sunday he was uh, you know he really admired the fact that drivers even though we were fighting for this you know third podium place and or if Elvin's leading the rally they were still you know the drivers were still sharing data you know sharing their setups and uh, I think he, he really, you know, likes that teamwork. Um, and that ultimately that helps, you know, the team move forward together. And um, he's, he, I like, you know, at, at the start, I maybe thought he was a bit stand, you know, standing back and, and letting it all happen. But I think that just speaks for the, the trust that he has in his, in his selection for the, for the team and um, yeah and like I said he's he's really coming at some crucial times to give his opinion and, and what he thinks and and uh, you know he gets to he gets to see a lot about what's happening within the sport and, and, and he influences it when he needs to and yeah no it's 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 all working well that way and um, looking looking forward to the rest of the season from that point fantastic listen I, I will i will let you get on and get some rest and, and enjoy a bit of family time before you have to go flying off so listen i really do appreciate it It was just we wanted to congratulate you again really uh on your fantastic first win obviously pass our best on to elvin as well with with his second and uh yeah we're all rooting for you and uh, uh bring on bring it bring on the next one i eh, mate bring on the next one yeah exactly and uh, thanks very much um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you no worries scott martin thanks so much for joining us on absolute rally folks we'll be back after this break this is Absolute Rally. Ireland's leading commercial note supplier, Killian Duffy, has joined forces with 2016 British Rally champion Craig Parry to form On The Pace Note UK. For more information, visit the website onthepacenote.co.uk. Mm. 
welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally. Thanks for all the downloads and all the kind messages, by the way, that we've had with regards to reviews and stuff like that. It does make a difference. Please, if you can hit the subscribe button, that even makes my life so much easier. But anyway, in the final section, a man who I'm convinced is harder to get on this podcast than what Sebastian OJ is. And I've never got Sebastian OJ. I've had every other driver in the world, but not Sebastian OJ. Um, Rishi Yates, welcome back to Absolute Rally. Hi, Tony. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. Now, it's understandable because you are possibly one of the busiest men I know in rallying at the moment. Um, <laughs> because the past three weeks, maybe, yeah. Yeah, well, to be fair, you've done, obviously, you're doing um, WRC. Are you under WRC2 or WRC3? WRC2. So yeah. you're WRC2 and your BRC yeah. program. Yeah. And you're running that in conjunction with M Sport, but obviously it's run out of your team as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, stressful doesn't even begin to cover the amount of work that must be going on in the, the Yates homestead, I'm guessing. Um, we'll take you back to the beginning of the season. You made the decision, obviously, I know you tried a couple of different R5 cars last year. What was the, what was, what was the deciding factor, my friend, to go with M Sport in the end? Well, it kind of, like I say, we drove a few, we drove the Hyundai and the Skoda, but we in the Skoda two years, you know, we're in, a, we're in the Skoda 18 and 19. We had a chance to try the Hyundai out. We had a blast out in the new Fiesta midway through last year. Um, and then it kind of just all went quiet, really. And then it just, yeah, it just popped up that we kind of got a bit of an opportunity there to kind of better a joint venture between us and, and M Sport um, to do WRC. We started at WRC3. That's what the plan was. Um, and then M Sport. And <laughs> it actually, I mean, I'm laughing about it now, but we started just with WRC3. And then after some chats with M Sport, suddenly we were doing WRC2 on British Championship. So, um, yeah, it uh, escalated a little bit. But because it's uh, one extra round, the WRC2 is, then um, WRC3, to, you know, for the Championship. So yeah, it just came about real last minute last last year, um, and we jumped at it, you know, to get back in the Fiesta and work with such a you know professional, experience outfit. Um, so yeah, we jumped at it, and we were first time I drove it on tarmac was on the Monty test. So yeah, thrown oh. into the deep end a little bit. Oh, I tell a lie, I had a blast round at Blyton Park and an airfield for for a, a few k's, and then yeah, straight to Monte Carlo. So yeah, it was it all happened fast, but it's been it's been a good start. It, it, it has, and you know, we we keep on talking about this. We talked about WRC two and WRC quite a lot on on, on the podcast. From a driving yeah. point of view, are you just looking at where everybody is in R five? You just know they're in R five, or do you do you look at it and go, well, they're in WRC two, so I know where I am with them, and they're in WRC three, or are you just literally looking at all the other R fives and seeing where you are in the scheme of things? Yeah, I think. I see it a lot. I see it a lot online and stuff like that. You know, some people call it a bit of a joke, that WRC3, like, for example, in Sweden, you know, WRC and in Monte Carlo, WRC3 kind of class won the event. But as far as, you know, where where we're at and where I'm at personally is, is WRC2 is meant to be getting more exposure from mani- you're backed by manufactured teams um, and it's meant to be doing more like that. But, is it really? I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. a different subject. We could probably talk about that for another hour. But for me, yeah, you look at R5s, that's it. You look at R5s and you see where you're at on R5s. And that's what, that's 
kind of you know what, what, what everyone does I think and the class is meant to be slightly different and we're meant to do a fly away and, and stuff like that so yeah from my we just go on the quickie star five and that's where you're at so and I think that's where everyone else is at really I think so. I, I, I think, you know, I, I seem to remember, I think it was on Monte Carlo. I think it was Emma Camelly won, I think, in Monte yeah, Carlo, Camelie, didn't yeah. And I think and he. To be fair, Osberg, you know, Osberg's doing Degrassi too, and he's a factory citra, and them boys are doing some testing, and they're doing a lot of development, and he is living in that thing. And to be fair, most of the time, it is him near the front taking stage wins anyway. I know Camelly did pip him in, in um, but. <laughs> They're all them, all the French guys in 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 Monte Carlo. They were all helped by Citroen. So are they in Degrassi three or are they in Degrassi two? You know, like where does the line draw? I don't, I don't, I don't have an, I don't have an answer for that. And, and 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 I think that's kind of the, the, I think that's where everybody's kind of got a little bit lost in it. I know our our own Ryan Champion is completely, you know, tearing his hair out with it. He's like, just 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 put it all into one. Let's just I don't know, let's just all yeah, go at just, it. Just do an R, just do RC two, R five class. Yeah. And um and and crack on. And that's how that's how I look at it anyway. The fastest R five, and that's where where you're looking really. Well, you, you mentioned obviously that the first time you drove the car competitively was was at Monte Carlo, and and what a baptism of fire rather that is. As you say, you you are going up against a lot of the locals and things like that, and you are in a new car. Do you set yourself targets on an event like that, Reese? Is it about mileage on an event like that? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but you know, it's so easy as we as we've seen, you know, Paul Gus, you know, what happens to Gus? It's so easy to go off. On Monty, um, is it just a case of I just want to get the clicks in and see where we end up at the end on this one, and, and kind of just bank that knowledge and bank those kilometres in the car? Yeah, that's that's what we have to do on Monte Carlo. You know, I think you do that even if I think it's difficult not to do that. Even you know, you, you know, you spend a, a season in a car and you still go to Monte Carlo and go, you know what? Like this is survival. The grip levels, the, the changing conditions is unreal. And, and last year to this year was a different event again. You know, you saw mud, slush, rain, snow, ice all in one corner. I've got a video through, through a stage, uh, through one corner. And, um, yeah, it was mad. And to, to be in a car that you don't know, um, and to have that kind of pressure as well, as far as, you know, with M Sport, wanting to do a good job and, and everything else. And I still had targets because I knew stages a little bit better than others, but then I had to then still throw into account that you don't know the car. You've had, you know, two I had two days testing it. One day was full snow and ice. The first time I drove it was like a full snow stage. So, yeah, it was it was just, like I say, get the clips and get the mileage in. And obviously I still wanted to be competitive. I still have my own targets that I want to try and, kick off um, but then you just got to kind of be realistic as far as where you're at what you're doing under the circumstances so I think in Monty we did a pretty solid job to be fair you know no, tried to stay out of trouble made a little bit made a small mistake on Saturday and just dropped it into a ditch got away with it um, and dropped some time there actually got un- got lucky on Thursday night as well I ended up putting it into an arm go there so yeah it is you need a lot of luck on that event um, but from your point of view we spoke about this on the podcast earlier in the podcast and we were talking about and I I said it because I think we said it this time last year Monte Carlo and Sweden to me are almost like oddment events and what I mean is by that is you know there's other rounds that are gravel rounds so you've got lots of gravel rounds you've got lots of tarmac rounds and yes 
the gravel can be different and the tarmac can be different, but in essence, they're the similar nature um, of, for what they are, tarmac or gravel, whereas Monty is a standalone and Sweden in many ways, okay, we didn't have great conditions, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute, a standalone. Are they the two from, and maybe it's a very British thing for me to say this, but because they're not our natural environments, are they the ones where we go, let's get those out the way and let's get to where what's normal for me, so gravel as an example. Is, yeah. that, is that how you see them, or, or, or am I overthinking that or what? <clears throat> no, I, I agree completely. I think Monte Carlo... You know, there's no, there's, it's, it's, you see all French guys, Camelie, God knows how many times he's done it, Bernardo, these boys, Rosso, the, the French specialist guys like, all right, Camelie goes well everywhere, to be fair to him, but everyone else there, you know, Monty and Sweden, like you say, they just, they're all difficult events, they're all specialist events, but there were no, there's no, you know, it were no coincidence that in Sweden we were the second non-Scandinavian. Finnish, Finnish, Swedish, Swedish, Norwegian, Norwegian, then they were a French guy and then they were me. You know, all them boys there look on Monte Carlo. It's French, 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 French. And then there's like a Norwegian, like baby and, and a Russian. You know, them two events, they're just so... And, f- and I think some people do avoid them. You know, they avoid going there. I kind of thought it was kind of a good start to our program because you got to go and get the mileage in all right it's difficult they're both difficult events but you're going to get the mileage in you can't be you're never going to be competitive there straight away you need to go and do your time there and serve your time and get the experience so that kind of aligned itself nicely for us to kind of go there with lowish expectations and still be out in the car driving the car so yeah like yeah to answer your question, I think they are very, very specialist. And then, like say, then you move towards gravel or tarmac. Yeah, the different gravel events, but it's gravel, you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I agree. I agree definitely with what what you're saying. So obviously, with 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 three events into the program this year, have you have you even worked out how many rallies you're doing this year? We're doing well. We have to do eight for WRC two. Yeah. And one has to be long haul, either Japan or Mexico. And we're not going to Mexico, so we're going to Japan. And then we're going to try and do the full... We're going to do the full British Championship there. So, yeah, we've, yeah there's some, <laughs> some rally. It'll be good. It'll be good. I'm trying to just stay fresh in the car. And, you know, it's been a busy, busy couple of weeks as far as, like, Monte Carlo. You have New Year and Christmas, and then you're straight into Monte Carlo, straight into Sweden, straight into Cambria. And it's like, boom, it's March time. Yeah, I'm going to do some rallying this year, so hopefully we can you know, get some seat time and, and get plenty of time in the car and, and, and be a bit more competitive. That's, that's the plan, that's the goal. Well, actually, I, I, I was just about to come to that because you know, I, 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 know you, I, know, I know you're reasonable, but I don't know you that well, and I've said this to various drivers that I've known well enough to say it to in the past, but I, there's certain drivers I know that have targets. Okay, they work on a target system, so they want to be you know, um, a second a kilometer off that driver on that rally because they know that driver is, you know, like we've just been talking about, I suppose, in Monte Carlo. That's their rally or that's where they're experienced at all. Do you set yourself those types of targets, Reese? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do a lot of work behind the scenes, like prepping for events and we say, right, you've got that driver, you've got that driver and 
you know, you you see it, Tony. Everyone sees it. You get the guys who come out on that event and go well on that event, and then you'll not really see them until you get to another event where they're going to come out and go really well. And I'm trying to be average Joe on every event at the minute. That's what I'm trying to do, um, which is difficult to do. Um, and I think, yeah, I set. We do a lot of prep work, a lot of onboard stuff. Like got these like spreadsheets and stuff where we say, right, that's the target for this rally, and then we debrief it after and say, why weren't we on that target, and where can we improve for that? And you will like that on this event, and this year we're going to repeat and go back to the events that we did last year. So that will then give us kind of a platform then to then go into them events and say, well, we were there and finished there. We want to kind of start there. Last year it was dip our toe in the water. Let's see where we're at. We're there on shade down. You're there on stage one. Let's see progression. We want to see progression on splits, on stage times. Now we want to kind of come out this year and start where we finished on events last year. Yeah, um, that makes sense. It makes so, it, that makes perfect sense to me, mate. That makes perfect sense to me. Have you, uh, you know, you, I, I guess the other thing is, well, with doing the amount of rallies you're doing, and of course moving on obviously james is with you again um this this year as, as well with regards to to kind of the in car for you as well with regards to notes and stuff like that how 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 have you had to um work harder at that knowing full well now that obviously you're in the m sport r5 team and, and things like that have you even thought about like that or was the work ethic you know, already there anyway, in your opinion. Yeah, there, there were a lot. Of, yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of work ethic last year, and, and you try. It was a massive step for me as far as setup, engineering, and everything. You know, set up for the car, prep, everything like that. I took a big step forward last year, and you know, you want to try and gain as much as you can from each event, and that's about documenting stuff and getting stuff down and debriefing stuff and watching on boards and having on boards and making just little things like making sure your SD cards you know you don't want to miss the stage because it's so easy to do with like a GoPro and stuff and yeah. little things like that where I've been so much better now and I've got like a couple of hard drives where I just go right boom we're coming into Sweden let's pull it up let's see what I've got let's see our let's see our comments from last year let's see what stages I went well on all stuff like that and all the you know the work that you put in you then come in prepared for the event because it's just flat out it's unreal how much you know you do a lot of your long recce days and stuff like that and the prep you can do before and with the VRC plus everything's so accessible as well so you can see where you can you can compare against the quickest time and see where you've lost some time and see where the dip was and you know with the splits and everything like that um, and also now you know my, my pace notes have had to evolve because I'm getting faster and things are happening quicker and do you need all that rubbish in there that I used to have when now it's like well if it's a flat corner and you're going through it why have you keep and stay in this that other when you're just gonna and also I do so much prep on watching on boards you know watching stuff and watching and watching and watching I mean James had this conversation like he didn't even pick his head up in Monte Carlo because there were that much information from my notes to his gra- to our gravel crew to this to that and you know, he, he he was just reading. Sometimes he couldn't read any faster. Um, and I'm not bigging myself at saying I'm going really fast. I'm just saying that I need to then, then I'm like looking at my notes and how can I refine them and how can I make them, you know, easier to, to, to listen to and to read and, and stuff like that. So everything's always evolving and I just try and just put as much prep in, as much work as you can. Because then when you're getting on to WRC events, then when you've got seven days to cram everything in, you just can't, your brain can't hack it. You can't do that much. So I'm doing that much prep now before, 
where we go into the stages and I've watched you know I've watched the Brassy plus and maybe there's a couple of new stages from last year the new ones you concentrate on them but the other ones you've done your kind of work on them so you're not having as late a night so yeah, it's, it's just about managing your time. That's that's the thing, and and the WRC they they push you to you know they push you to the limits, and it's great. I love it. I do love it. But sometimes you think you know you get in at one o'clock in the morning, they want you up at seven o'clock in six a.m. the next day, and you go out and you know you earn your keep, don't you? But if you can do your prep before, then you feel like it is a little bit easier, and things things happen. So yeah, I'm I'm working really hard with like prep and debriefing and, and stuff like that. So how about how about obviously you come from you come from a motocross background of course, but how about with regards to the physicalities of it? Have you had to do much changes for that? Have you got much help on that side? What 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 have you done on with that type of stuff? Well what as in like physical yeah, life yeah. are you what are you like doing are you, are you training are you training harder yeah, or are you training yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit or I'm a bit uh, or smarter now cross- <laughs> my, my friend's got a crossfit gym so yeah. I'm big into my crossfit I love crossfit I do like every day I go and he does like Europeans and stuff like that so he's kind of my like personal trainer so fitness wise I've never been as fit you know physically fit i'm eating well like now i'm under the m sport 10 they put on the catering and stuff like that and the food is like real like good source for energy and last year i used to struggle with my i used to get headaches and just struggle a little bit and just fatigue a little bit but past few events i've been you know as fresh as anything and you get used to it you know you get used to the the long days and stuff like that but fitness wise like yeah i i bang it out in the in the gym and do my CrossFit stuff, which I love. I think it's great. Like, it's competitive fun, which makes it fun and yeah. also keeps you sharp as far as, like, you know, putting in the effort and the work and stuff. So, yeah, I, I try and concentrate on all that. The only thing is with CrossFit is you can get a little bit too bulky. Like, I am a little bit too heavy, really, um, because it is quite a lot of muscular kind of endurance and stuff, and you build muscle. So, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the only thing. You get a little bit too heavy. But So, next, um, time, next time I see you, it's not a Mars bar that are too many. Is that what you're telling me? You're just warning me now you haven't had a Mars bar too many. <laughs> my diet isn't the best. I've been trying to exercise my way out of a poor diet for a long, long oh, time. Oh, mate, long mate, time. trust me. But I'm, we all. <laughs> I'm, for, I'm 45, right? So I've got a few years on you. It's not possible, mate. It's genuinely not possible. I'm so trying my hardest at 27. I'm trying my hardest. But no, my diet is way better. It's lot, way better. Way better on events. I train, I train a lot, a lot and put a lot into my fitness. So, yeah, and I just feel like if you do all that work, then you're going to miss that rock on the inside. I'm like a little bit superstitious or a little bit, yeah, I'm no, a little bit it. like that, where, you know, where you put your effort in, you knock your tripart in the gym or you knock your tripart doing, you know, you'd rather watch Love Island sometimes. And <laughs> let's be honest. No, you'd rather honest, put Love honestly, Island Reece, take your brain out for an hour. Honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't rather watch Love Island. <laughs> I would, no, but what I'm saying is you'd rather, you'd rather sometimes get in, you, you know, you've had a long day and you want to just chill out and watch, yeah. like, you want to just watch some and just chill out. But I think, now get your laptop out, watch some onboards, do your work, put the effort in, because then you'll miss that rock or you'll get away with that moment or something like yeah. that. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad for that. But, no, um, you. I, I, I'm, I, I've been the same in my dark and distant past. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to, one last thing before I let you go, obviously, because you, you're dovetailing these two two championships, obviously doing WRC and also coming back and doing BRC to keep yourself uh, sharp. That must be a hell of a culture shock coming back and doing effectively. It's like doing a rally sprint. 
the mileage yeah. you do in BRC now over a WRC round, doesn't it? So do you, do you, do you have a different mindset for that? Is that a different, a different world? Do you, do you, do you, do you have a reset button where you go, okay, we just have to go flat out, out of the box here because you don't play yourself in on, on a 45 mile, 50 mile rally. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the, another reason why, um, another reason why we are doing British Champions. I want to, I always want to support, you know, British rallying and stuff like that. And I love the championship. I think it's great, great guys and, and they do, do the best. And, and I love to kind of support it and, and be there. Um, and also try and do well there. But another thing was is to come out the blocks, you know, the quite short sprints as far as WRC are. Um, and to come out the box, you know, to come straight out first corner, like you got to go and you got to go for it straight away if you want to, if you want to win the event. Um, so yeah, I think that helps me as well from then going to WRC because then boys don't bed themselves in. And I'm always used to kind of like in the past, like get to the end, finish the rally, don't do anything stupid on the first corner. And then before you know it, you've dropped over a second of K in a stage because you're kind of bedding yourself in. And I think we packed the Cambrian were good i think first stage we were like joint fastest like first stage and you know just coming out of the blocks and just and just going for it straight away so yeah i think yeah it is a bit of a reset button and back to kind of going like right what's you know we want to win so you've got to come out and that's just good for my own you know own, own experience and own development as well so i think the great events at brc i think you know with the recce and, and the competition as well there's some fast guys there and yeah, it's just uh, it's just good to stay sharp and stay out in the car. So absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's good. So when are we back out then? Next events, obviously, you're not out on 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 Rally Mexico, so you have got a little bit of downtime. I'm guessing West Cork must be your next rally then. Yeah, West Cork. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go to West Cork, get on back on the tarmac, which I'm looking forward to, and um, yeah, we'll see what we can do there. You know, I've done a little bit over, and I did. Ulster and I did circuit in 2016 so I've done a little bit over in Ireland so I'm looking forward to that so we'll get a test before then and I've just this week kind of just debriefing and get our breath a little bit and then we go again kind of in a, in a few weeks time so West Coast should be good so uh, yeah that's next time and then we'll do Clacton after as well there's a few so. there's a few episodes of Love Island to catch up on from the few weeks you've been away mate that's what you need to be I getting actually, on that was just an example thing. That was just an example <laughs> it's only only way is Essex I will it I'm 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 one of them who I love rubbish TV. So if no. I can take my brain out and watch absolute rubbish on TV where you don't have to think about anything, it's like my downtime a little bit. No, 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 I, I got to Love Island this time because it just takes over your life. I watched it last season, <laughs> but I didn't this season. So uh, yeah, I've been watching on boards instead, mate. So good for you. My eye on the target. Good for you. Good for you. Listen, mate. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I say it was great to get you on because of what what you've got going on, and we will get you back on a little bit later in the season as well if that's okay with you my friend no yeah thanks a lot for having me on and uh, I appreciate it and it's, it's great to be on and, and have a chat with you so uh, yeah thanks a lot mate good man folks uh, that was appreciate uh, thank you all for the downloads it's been fantastic and as I say the figures are looking really really good and the reviews on iTunes have been lovely as well really really do appreciate it we'll be back same time same place in your little podcast hole next week Absolute Rally Powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.